welcome to Business Day, where we focus on trends, tips, tools, and tales to educate, inform, and entertain. Today, we welcome Shane Barella, entrepreneur and co-owner of the Scented Leaf Tea House and Lounge. I'm Lisa Kanda, marketing strategist and founder of LK Advisors, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Deborah Fry, leadership development specialist with Fryworks and Associates. Thank you, Lisa. It's always great to be here. I'm so glad to reconnect. We've had a few weeks off this summer, so we're back at it again. And Shane, welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting. Yeah, we're excited to have you share some of your great insights. Uh, I think it's going to be really enjoyable for some of the business owners out there to learn how you've been able to pivot and survive these crazy times. Because right. as I mentioned, Deb and I have been digging to explore all kinds of tools that will help people during this challenging time. And today we're going to focus on helping business owners and entrepreneurs who may need some inspiration and ideas on resilience, perseverance, and creativity. It's my pleasure to introduce our guest, Shane Barella, co-owner of the Scented Tea House and Lounge with two storefronts in Tucson, Arizona, and an online store called the Scented Leaf World Tea House serving a delicious variety of teas from all around the world. Shane and his wife, Adrian, launched the Scented Leaf brand 10 years ago and have grown both their brick and mortar and online presence in spite of COVID-19. And in full disclosure, I have to tell you that Adrian is my niece. And so Shane is my uh, in-law, nephew-in-law, <laughs> however that is. But uh, being uh, Adrian's husband, or we call her Nin, um, that's the connection I have, but I, I, part of it was I noticed recently that they have just received the award for the second year in a row as the best tea house in Tucson. And knowing what they've been going through um, in the past few months, I thought, what a great guest you would be, Shane, uh, what you can share with our uh, listeners um, and viewers uh, on how you've made it this far. I think you have a great story to tell, and we're really excited to have you here. So thanks Thank for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah. So Shane, how did you get started selling tea and, and opening a tea house? Tell us your story here. So it's kind of a crazy story. It all started, you know, I ended up moving to Tucson when I was a younger person. I came over just to kind of visit my father uh, for a summertime. And I'm originally from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And, um, you know, I was a typical kid where I played a lot outside and a lot of sports and then when I came over to Tucson I stayed for the summer and uh, my father wanted me to stay for a little longer and actually go to school there, here in Tucson and I wasn't really thrilled with that idea but you know he wanted to uh, have his son there with him and I said you know what? I haven't had a chance to live in a different place before so I'll give it a shot so I moved to Tucson on a temporary basis just to kind of check out the schools and my first uh, week of school, ironically, I meet my first friend who invites me over to his house and boom, um, within the first 30 seconds of me walking into his house, um, I get bit by his house family dog that is super nice, very gentle, a dog literally named Scout because he was always around the Cub Scouts. And it was one of those life changing moments where it just moved me in a different direction. Um, long story short, the dog bite bit my lip and I had to go to the hospital. I had to get um, kind of emergency plastic surgery. And then after that, I had some follow-up surgeries over the years. So what happened was when I went back into school, I was the new kid from a different city and state. 
and also the kid that just got bit by a dog <laughs> with bandages on his face, with you know all those things that are just not very good for a student or kid when you're brand new in school. I mean, I was in fifth grade and I was just that kid. And it really changed my personality in a sense where before I kind of had brothers in Santa Fe, we all, everyone knew me. I was very involved in, in sports and I was a little bit of a tough, rough kid. And when I ended up going to Tucson, getting bit by a dog, bandages, it was like a rebirth. I, I couldn't be that person anymore. I had to, in a sense, change um, my personality so that I was a little bit more, uh, you know, easy around the edges, um, a little more pleasant and not so tough um, as, a, as a, just a kid in general, because I was that person I needed to kind of bring myself back up to another level. Um, and slowly but surely, I ended up doing um, just different ways of talking to people. And I felt like that time afterwards for the next probably eight years, um, it just made me more vulnerable, which I think made me more acceptable to people. And I realized that you know, being just gentle and nice to people and being able to not be such a tough person and just really letting the, your guard down allows you to kind of see a different side of people and more welcoming side. So as I grew into this, excuse me. Roman, I'm on the phone, buddy. You can't talk. Sorry, 30 minutes. This <laughs> is the first one. So <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm going through this, you know, during these teenage years, I start going, you know what, I really want to do my own thing. And I feel like in the future, I'm going to have my own business. <laughs> hey, man. We have it all. We predicted it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we were saying uh, to, to, our, to our listeners, we were just saying um, and our viewers, but pre, as we were doing a warm up that, as we know, in today's cause, you expect at least a child. And, and an animal, mostly a dog or a cat. And, and we, we predicted both were going to show up today. Ain't brought it all. <laughs> you go into that two kids and two dogs and a stay-at-home wife with uh, work, working nonstop. Yeah, kids. <laughs> sometimes that's our world today you know and, and it's okay it you know and, and yeah. we're so glad you're able to join because we know you're busy and that's the thing yeah. you've got two stores to run and and an online shop so uh we know you're really busy so we really appreciate your time so I, i'm really curious to know you know let's go ahead and fast forward to all right I, yeah. you you you've done so, so many different things that got you to this so give us a little because you are a lot like some of our listeners you yes. i mean you, you, your story of what I'm hearing so far is, you know, that even early on a, a pivot of some sort that makes you look differently at yourself and how you relate to others. And um, that vulnerability that you just shared um, is really important for other folks to hear. So yeah. I'll let you go ahead and continue. <laughs> yeah. So basically I just had this mindset of, I wanted to have my own business one day. I didn't really want to work for a company. So as I basically get into, man, you got to just, Good thing for edits, right? <laughs> yep, we'll be having to edit something. Well, now they're all locked in a room. <laughs> the last word. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see what happens. All right. All right. So going into my adulthood, I wanted to have my own business, but I had to go through the college experience. I had to go through that time just so I have that actual you know, degree in case you know, I really need it down the road. But I always thought I'm never really going to work for a corporation. I really think I'm going to be able to do something. I used to sell candy. I used to sell fireworks. 
I just saw different things when I was a kid because I would be able to kind of like get stuff from Santa Fe and then sell stuff. I and mean, it was probably not the most legal thing to do, but you know, a little thing of black cats for a dollar or two. And when I'm 12 years old, allowed me to kind of think about what happens when you actually have a business. And then I started, I did a lemonade thing. A lot of kids did, I did a lemonade stand. But when I got into um, college, it just really made me go, I really, really want to stay around people. And I really want to have the ability to have freedom with people and the flexibility and not be controlled so much with a, you know, a job that's eight to five. So after I graduated college, I immediately got into real estate and insurance. Um, ironically, I did the insurance thing just because it was kind of the time. Everyone was doing a lot of real estate sales. My friends were all real estate agents. It seemed like everyone was a real estate agent in the mid 2000s. And I was like, you know what, that's great, but it seems like people need an insurance agent to help out with this whole uh, process. My brother was loans and my friends were real estate. Did that, wasn't the right fit for me. It was a year of my, of my life. Um, it was just a different uh, speed than I was used to, much slower, dealing with more like the phone call thing and, and cold calling. And it just didn't feel right. I just didn't like the separation. So I got out of that after first year and then I got into... Uh, real estate more so. I did really well in real estate as a real estate agent. I was always kind of, you know, there for my customers as much as possible. And I felt like that was my main thing it was just the personal relationships I would build up and just the listing and making sure they got what they wanted and not being too good for anything. You know, like if I needed to do something for them, I was ready for that. And I wasn't trying to become um, someone who I wasn't. As I grew bigger and stronger with my skills in real estate, I realized I didn't want to do that also. I felt like this was a great thing for me, but it was almost like it wasn't right. My calling wasn't there. And I said, I need to do something else. Like I said, a business, that's just me. And I wanted to fall back on that. I already had real estate properties that I would rent out. Um, I had like four or five that I was actually renting out uh, long-term leases. And I was like, you know what? This is great and easy and fun for me, but I need to be challenged a little more. I need to see what I made up and this is going to be the time to do it. So I started asking around uh, people, hey, do you know of any um, ideas, business ideas? And um, I came across um, the idea of selling food at um, outside of uh, sporting events, like outside of baseball games. And I was going to do gelato because when I went to Europe, when I was 20 years old, I went backpacking by myself and I came across a lot of gelato places. And in, in the United States, you don't really see that. It's always kind of ice cream. And the flavor options were just incredible. So I said, this is a great opportunity to bring this. So I said, let's do this. And um, I started talking to some friends about it. And they all kind of said, I think you're going to have a lot of problems getting into those places. They're not going to just easily let you sell that. And I said, you're right, you're right. And I called up one friend and I asked the same questions. And he says, well, um, I'm at the SWAT meet here in Tucson. There was a guy I just met. He was someone I bought a truck from. And I asked him, you know, this, and he's like, well, I'm at the swap meet and I sell dash covers, seat covers. And I was like, wow, that's, that's different. And I guess that's definitely a swap meet thing. And he's like, yeah, but don't, don't think it's like just this. He's like, there's so many people out here selling everything from food to, to uh, boots, to, to, you know, clothes to you name it. And he's like, there's a guy across the street who actually wants to sell his perfume business. And I, and I said, well, I'm not really into perfume. I mean, I don't know. I personally don't even wear cologne. And he's like, well, it's not really about that. You should take a look because this guy is pretty busy. He always has customers going in and out. So I said, all right, I'll take a look. So I go over there and I spy on the place to see what kind of business this guy has. And I'm in the corner just kind of like watching as a, as a person walking by. And I'm looking and I'm counting and I'm checking to see how many people he's getting per hour. 
And I actually see this place is doing really well. And I go to him afterwards. And I said, hey, um, my name is Shane and I'm really interested. I heard you want to sell your business. I'm interested in buying it. Um, I need a month's worth of your numbers to kind of see what it's all about. And maybe I'll buy it. Month later, I look at his numbers and I was pretty happy with it. And my, um, you know, my wife and girlfriend, um, Adrian, she um, really loved perfume. So I said, could you help me out? Kind of just like give me some information about perfume and maybe sell it with me. She's like, yeah, that's that sounds fun. So she, you know, I was surprised she was okay with this, but she said, yeah, I'll, I'll hang out at the swap meet. And I was like, well, I don't even want to hang out at the swap meet myself. Like I personally don't want to be there, but it's different in my mind when I know I'm going to be in a business. So I said, yes. And I bought a building. It was not your typical, like, you know, setup where people have to do it every weekend. It was a full building with, you know, tile floor. It was like the size of a two car garage. You even had a garage that was automatic. So I could easily open and close. It had lighting, it had air conditioning for the most part. Okay, I so was you, out you were there. Really, you were really high tech and swap meat. Well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you, you, you'd be blown away what we had to go through when there were, so when it was busy, everyone was using the same pole for electricity. So there was like this one pole per section and it was a bunch of outlets and people are just multi-adapting it just left and right, just on top of each other. And it was so crazy that when it was a nice weather day, people would be out there selling and they wanted to have their stuff to show off. So they're plugging in their things and they're showing customers, it works, it works. And I'm in there running a, a swamp cooler at times an air conditioner at times, heater at times, and it, it would always go out because they didn't update the electricity. So, you know, it was like on a like maximum of 15 amps, which is pretty low. So everyone would just trip. So middle of the night, you're hanging out, working, you have customers, you have a full house of people looking at your product and all of a sudden all the power goes out. And then you're like, one second, you go out there in the pitch black and you go out there and you go back to the breaker and you're trying to go up and down with it. You're doing all sorts of stuff. You're telling that person, hey, you can't plug this in. And everyone's like around this pole and eventually you get it back on for another 10 minutes. This is so entrepreneur life though. Think oh about this. God. I mean, you, know, you, you, you have to do it all, right? You wear every hat and the power, I mean, this is amazing stuff. So what I wanna do is, um, if you could tell us how, like, how do you get from perfume to tea? Yeah, so <laughs> that, that whole process lasted five years. I was just back and forth oh, every wow. weekend, every weekend selling perfume and I was doing um, pretty good numbers. I had, I was probably, I would say, that we had the most customers in any business in that area besides food. I mean, we had our regulars, we had our people. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I don't want to always do this here. I need something else. So I said, I need to have a brick and mortar that's separate from the Swami. So I looked around and I found a, um, well, I found a, a store in Phoenix that basically is like a Hispanic based. I don't know if you guys have them uh, where you're at, but we have a, a place here in Tucson called Food City. And then up in Phoenix, it's called the Ranchera um, Market or something like that. And um, it's basically has a lot of Hispanic foods and it's just a Hispanic demographic. And that's who bought the most perfume from us with Hispanics. And we, I was like, I need to go somewhere else and find another place. So I ended up for a summertime, we go to Phoenix and open up another location. So now I have my wife and friends and employees, not friends, employees, running the Tucson swap meet. I'm in Phoenix for, I think, four months um, selling over there in this little corner of a grocery store that no one even noticed, but they talked up the place and I said, okay, it was a mistake, but it was one of those learning mistakes. 
I said, all right, I need to get out of here. I left that spot and I said, I need some better exposure. So I ended up going to University Boulevard, walking around by the University of Arizona and I saw the space that was vacant and it was for rent. And I said, oh my God, look at that. That'd be amazing, like such a good location. So I called up the landlord and I said, hey, I'm interested. I told my business that I sell perfume at the Swami. You can imagine when someone says, I have a business at Swami, they're not thrilled to go, hey, now you're ready for the big leagues. So she was like, um, okay, well, maybe, maybe, why don't we take a look at, at another space? She showed me another spot that was down the street a little bit and it was tiny. It was 10 feet wide by 30 feet. And it was a space that basically never makes it ever, ever. She's like, you can take this spot if you want. And I said, you know what? It's on the streets, on the boulevard, I'll take it. Well, that was one of those turning moments because I ended up now got in University Boulevard and people got to kind of see me on a regular basis. Customers got to know me. I had a perfume store there and a perfume store the Swami. So we were working seven days a week. So I would just, I never had a day off. I just would go from one place to another. And my baby during this time was born, um, my baby boy, and just tough, crazy, constantly working. And that perfume thing, it just didn't really fit with the people at the university. Everyone who was there, we found out the hard way that everyone basically gets their perfume and cologne from mom and dad during the holidays. And the Hispanic community buys it on a regular basis as a gift throughout the year. And when you go outside that kind of culture and you have different cultures, it goes into more of a gift thing. I only get it as a gift. So we just didn't sell enough. We had, gosh, I think our sales were, we would sell one to five bottles a day. So you can imagine $30 to $200 in sales a day, which if you go $50, you multiply that by 30 days, that's $1,500. I mean, my rent was over that. So we just were never really making it. And I said, I need to do something different. So I just started thinking, thinking, thinking about other ideas because yeah, I was kind of going down. Let me kind of jump in there real quick because I, I always like to relate the story to some of our listeners who, yeah, what I'm hearing and, and Deb, jump in here because Shane, it's really incredible because you're an entrepreneur at heart. Absolutely. Everything you do and, and I think how you set up just learning really early on uh, when you move to Tucson, uh, you are a born entrepreneur and, and so many folks who have a lot of the ambition you have, but you take such great risks. I mean, mm -hmm. but you learn. Uh, yeah. I'm here, you know, in, intertwined in this story, you're just dropping gems <laughs> of knowledge yes. to folks uh, that, you know, so I just kind of want to slow it down because I don't know if you realize uh, that for people listening and watching this, pay attention because Shane's just really sharing some incredible deep knowledge and um, resilience and chutzpah, you know, go, go with that because you're, yeah. you're recognizing all these things, but you, you didn't stop. You've taken risks. They said you went to Phoenix, you learn, you knew your market. So folks out there, I mean, you had a market specifically for the perfume business. Now, as, as we're at this conversation, you're saying, okay, that market's not here. It's oh, not, not going to help us survive. So I just, I, I wanted to hesitate just to let folks catch up with you because I mean, I'm catching my breath because I'm like, oh my gosh, you're another thing, another thing. And um, just amazing. So, all right, go, well, ahead, go, ahead, go, go to where you are now because I have been to your location on University Boulevard. <laughs> in terms of that pivoting, the Swami had its time during a political season where people were changing laws. And when there was a law here in Arizona that basically made it so that People had to get their identification checked um, to see if they were uh, legal citizens, uh, if just based on their appearance. 
that SB 1070 law changed the entire business for me because people were not coming as much as they were to the Swami because people were boycotting Tucson. So when people started boycotting Tucson, they were definitely my people because they were coming from Mexico, buying wholesale for me, selling it back in Mexico, or they were coming up from Mexico, buying and just enjoying it. And when those people stopped coming because of political reasons, man, I didn't have, I had this pivot that I had to make really fast because everyone was going down, down, down in the Swami and everyone was complaining every weekend about, oh my gosh, it's getting worse and worse every weekend. And this conversation was going on for, you know, six months to a year. And we just started getting to the point where I saw people left and right leave and just go out of business. And uh, it was sad. And that's kind of where I was like, I'm, I'm going to be in a situation here if I don't make a move. You know, I, I, when you said that, Lisa, I think one of those things that I felt like it was different for me than other people is a lot of times people like to hear advice from, no offense to parents, I'm a parent, but when you talk to your parents who are designed to keep you safe and secure, that is their job. They always want you to take the safer path. And my whole upbringing, I learned at a young age that my parents were not going to make me excel in this world of entrepreneurship. They were not going to make me the next big thing because every single thing I had to like bring up as an idea, they were like, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, you're going to be the Swami? I mean, every single person thought I was crazy for being the Swami. And I just never once thought I was crazy at the Swami. I was like, what do you mean? Like, this is, I'm going to be able to make cash, you know, on a regular basis here. And then I can have another job doing something else. Like, what do you mean? But to, to me, it didn't seem like that. But everyone around me, it was bizarre. And the perfume thing and what I did, the previous things in my life. And then when I got into the tea business, when I opened up in Phoenix, when I opened up more locations in Tucson, every step of the way, I had people above me who I always said, I got to look up to these people and listen to what they have to say. But I realized it's just, you got to take it as a grain of salt. You got to take in what they're getting at and what they mean by what they're saying. But to know that your path is your path and you have to take the risk because at the end of the day, you live with yourself and you have to deal with what you got for yourself. You make your bed. And I just learned at a young age to not listen to people, really. And anyone I was going to listen to were going to be people who I saw who were actually doing it, being risky, out there working hard, out there doing hard stuff that makes it you know, worthwhile to hear what they have to say about advice. I used to always ask people, tell me what's the most important thing. Um, when I was a server in restaurants, I used to always ask people who are successful. I used to say, hey, tell me something about life. Give me a motto of life. Tell me what is important to you and tell me what made you successful. I used to always tell that. I had no problem asking people that question. And I was always Shane, yeah, because I know you're, you're very unique in that you're you're actively seeking for that yes. kind of but as deb knows as a coach a business coach because uh, deb does a lot of uh, leadership coaching and helping businesses uh there are folks out there that aren't as self-driven or self-fulfilling as you are and they you know and it's true you're right yeah you, you have family members and friends who just don't get it we all do anyone who's an entrepreneur in business for themselves will have the naysayers or tell you don't take risks and okay. you either need to have what you have and, and be very uh, proactive, or you need to really have a coach. I mean, that's that's what I've learned all the years. I've had many coaches over the years. I know Deb and, and I coach people. Yeah, um, and you have to have a coach because a coach yeah. is going to, they're going to tell you exactly what you need to hear. And they're not going to sugarcoat it in any way if they're a good coach. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, as a coach, I'm, I listen a lot. Obviously, I've been very quiet here listening to your story because it's it, it's a great story and it's 
the the kind of thing that inspires me. I told Lisa she and I had the good fortune to get together about a month ago uh, down in Savannah, and one of the things that you said really rang true. I I often ask people that I'm coaching, <clears throat> it why are you doing this? Why do you want to do this? Because starting your own business, a lot of people think, well, that's my, I'm being my own boss. No, it's not. I'm not my own boss. Your customers are your boss. Yeah. So, so let's get, let's get that straight right away. If you think it's going to be an easy ride, if you think you can work whenever you feel like it, get over that because that's not the way it is. And if you're doing, if you're doing something traditional, like you had experiences in insurance industry, You've, you've had experience with real estate and those sorts of things. Whatever career you pursue, are you doing it because your family, your mom and dad thought that was a good idea? You're a finance major in college or whatever. Um, and I've often told people, if I did what my parents yes. had wanted me to do, I would have achieved all of their goals by the time I was 20. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm careening towards 70 years old now. So I can tell you, I've done a lot of things that they probably didn't want me doing, mm -hmm. but I didn't listen to everyone that was giving me advice. You know, I, I, I think it's good to hear everyone because I think that devil's advocate approach to looking at life and business is really, really valuable. I mean, hear what they have to say because you could pull some gems from what they say and go, oh, you know what? That's right. I'm going to pivot just a little bit over here based on what you said. You're absolutely right. Because uh, I really believe that my curiosity and me asking questions has been part of my success. I always tell everyone, you know, there, there's some proverbs that you can really use in life and asking you, ask you shall receive to me has been one of the most powerful things that I've ever gone through with business. I'm amazed. And I think even Steve Jobs talks about this. He's like, you know, be amazed. Just ask that person for help and see what happens. Ask that person for something and you'll see what happens. Almost every single time you'll get it. So when you start thinking that way and you start asking people, hey, what do you think of this? So one of my things I do is I bring all my employees together when I have a decision-making process. You know, these are like 18-year-olds, 19, 20, 25-year-olds. You know, they have no business, uh, you know, with tea. They, they're, just, they're just students who want to work at a, at a fun tea house. But to me, they're my people, they're my demographics. So just asking them the questions and then getting my final product or my final whatever based on those um, comments and those kind of um, things that they would like to see or wanna kind of be involved with, it brings everyone together, creates good morale, but it also creates a very fine-tuned product for who you're selling to. So it makes sense that our, our process is growing all the time because every generation every year of people that come into our tea house, they add a little bit to our place. And if you look in our spaces, I can tell you, oh, that wall and that idea was from one person. Oh, that right there was a couple people came up with this idea. Oh, these teas on tap or this wall of uh, teas. Like I could tell you a story about how they all come and it came because of other people bringing in their ideas and me going, that's good, that's good. No, we can't use that. We can't do that. I'll chop that up and creating this mold that works. And if people kind of like get themselves out of their, you know, I think a lot of restaurant people, they, they I always use this analogy of chefs. Chefs try to make something different out of something that's been made before. So they try to make a better grilled cheese sandwich. 
and then they get into a situation where it doesn't look like a grilled cheese and it doesn't taste like a grilled cheese and they get so proud of it because they're this culinary master well the problem is no one wants it because they can't identify it and they don't like the flavor so what does a chef do does a chef say no i'm right and i'm going to keep that food food item there and write it out and eventually i think go out of business or are you going to go oh you don't like that okay that's gone that's scratched here's another version do you like this nope that doesn't work okay here's a third version 10th version oh you like the 10th version boom then let's stick with this and only for the time being because if real if people a few years later don't like this 10th version it's gone now bring another one i think this is a great segue though because i i I am watching time in the interest of our listeners because i'm totally enthralled but i don't want to go too far along because then we're going to lose people because they don't (laughs) we know the attention span of folks um you so you you got into the if you go to your website by the way you i will put the what links to your website uh in the descriptions and it's all your social media so folks i'm going to highly recommend this is the little plug go to their website where you can also buy their wonderful teas yes um so you 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 moved to your location on University Boulevard with the tea house, right? So you you got into teas because I if you read the website, it came from your trip to Spain, correct? Yes. Yeah. So that's where you I think you added teas first with the perfume store, like you had a little corner. Well, we had one wall. <laughs> one wall is perfume. So ten feet wide, you can imagine. You walk in, and one wall is on the wall is like all these bottles of perfume, and the other one was all these like samples. Interesting. Of yeah, because again, to our listeners and people who are in making transitions and pivots, you know, you're taking risks, but you kind of, you, you, you kind of did both at the same time, knowing, as you shared earlier, the perfume was going to end up going. But yeah, then, it was a you, test. Yeah. I wanted to test it out, but I, I had that space. So I said, I, I don't want because I wanted to open up a tea business, but I couldn't just easily open up another space since I have no experience with tea. So I had to test it out. If you have no experience in something, how do you learn, right? You ask a lot of people and you test. So yeah. tell us about, because uh, I do believe, you know, you're doing some amazing things uh, since the pandemic hit. Uh, I know uh, just, you know, con- early conversations when I was reaching out to all my family members and just like me and I, lots of other business owners, you know, we, we went to try and get the, all the loans and the help from our government and the things that were offered. But, yeah. you know, as we all know, that's not everything. You know, there's a lot more that has to happen. So Tell me a little, us a little bit about your where you where your shop was pre-COVID, and then just a, you know where what happened and where some of those shifts and pivots have happened. Because now sure. this backstory that you're bringing to us, people are going to get why how quickly you move and how you think, and I think it'd be yeah. really interesting. I would say that we were going through a transition period, anyways. During uh, before COVID, we had a uh, change in kind of the traffic uh, flow of our businesses because of so much competition around us. Uh, we have a lot of co- uh, coffee shops in Tucson and they were just popping them left and right. And then we started getting more tea business. They were trying to compete with me and the university of Arizona has a big uh, thing with food. So we were just getting in a situation where we were kind of having less traffic than we were used to. And it wasn't very pleasant experience to go through that downturn. Um, we were still profitable. We we're still doing well, but it just was a, a noticeable difference. And then um, that process led me to kind of changing things again, looks of the place, the pricing of the place, the staff entirely. We kind of had to make some changes with that because the, the old staff was kind of getting stagnant. When you get people who are working over four years for your place, you start noticing they're going to start getting a little bit uh, complacent. So we had to make a lot of changes and then we started seeing an uptick in our business and then boom, COVID happened. So we were like starting to get back on a good wave. And then as soon as that good wave happened, um, it started kind of, um, 
looking good and then went straight down with COVID. So what did you have to do? I mean, you had to shut down. How long were you shut down uh, before you were able Well, to that's kind of the thing that's interesting. Um, I didn't shut down. I never okay. shut down. I never shut down one day. We haven't been closed one day during this entire COVID. We were fortunate to be an essential worker because um, we saw food and tea is food. Um, even though it doesn't seem like it's food, it's, it's uh, you, you know, you consume it, it's considered food. So we were in that, that sector and that was very helpful. And a lot of my restaurant friends, a lot of people in the food industry left, closed down. But I said, I can't, I have too many employees that rely on me. I had too many employees that wouldn't, they were not gonna qualify for unemployment because they were part-time employees before this. And uh, I just couldn't say, sorry guys, I, I just couldn't do that. So I needed to support them. And I also needed to support myself, my business, my family. Um, so we basically started, um, I mean, I told everyone you can leave now and you can go back home because students basically had an option to go back home and do everything virtual. I said, you can do that. And that's totally fine. And when you come back, we'll have a job waiting for you. When you feel comfortable, I'll be here for you. We'll get you back on the schedule. Anyone who does stay, I will give you as many hours as possible. More people stayed than I anticipated. And all of a sudden I had to make a decision what to do about that. So instead of like saying, hey, the new person, I'm gonna to have to say goodbye and, and I have to give my senior um, employee more uh, hours. I said, I'm gonna just make this fair and equitable. I'm gonna cut everyone down, but everyone's gonna have shorter shifts, but you'll all have money coming in. So everyone started getting a little bit of money, enough to pay their bills and get through this um, kind of the harshest times. And then we basically, at that moment, we realized that we had to make some major changes because no one was coming into the shop anymore. So I really hit up, um, I have a, you know, when people come into your business, they, you know, they give you their email or their phone number through some kind of means, usually through like the, um, you know, when someone does a credit card swipe and you use Square, Square kind of has information. Um, they they kind of say, hey, do you want to, punch card program, you wanna get something free after so many visits. For us, that's what it was. And we were getting all these information um, on people. So I had incredible amount of contacts that I never even tapped into because I didn't wanna bother them. Well, now it was, it was a go time, I had to. So I sent out a mass email to all of our people and I said, hey, we're not giving up. We're gonna fight through this. We would love for you to buy our tea online. We never really pushed you on this, but now it's time. Can you please help us out? And it was amazing how many of our people who are old customers and whatnot came through and just really helped us out in the beginning of just huge days of sales online. And it was during that time where everyone was kind of getting money from different places who had jobs and they were just putting it back into the local community. And we got a lot of help that way. And then that just made me go, I need to focus on my online business because this brick and mortar is blocking me enough. And I can't, I can't support all these people so that really became my focus. And from that point, from April 1st on, I was nonstop online and we've just increased it. We changed our platform. We changed how it looks. We changed our product offerings. We have probably four or five new products that we introduced that are very unique to tea in general. Like I don't really see too many businesses have products like we do. And it just became a thing where people every week were seeing people buying on a regular basis online and it allowed us to kind of ride this other wave that allowed us to pay for bills and customers and, and people. And then while that was happening, because we're open every day, the brick and mortar, people knew we're open and they knew that we were taking care of people the right way. We've always had amazing customer service. We've always had a good product. So the regulars started coming back slowly but surely because they knew they can count on us. And because of that, 
they just became kind of like a, a regular situation where we know we saw people come in every day and allowed us to kind of make enough money to kind of get through the brick and mortar side of stuff. So having two sources of income really allowed us to kind of get through this because I think if you don't have another source of income, you're going to be in a really tough spot, really tough spot with this COVID time. You need to pivot and you need to give yourself, if you're a restaurant offering, you know, your, your services to go, um, bringing down your price point, maybe if you're $25, bring it down to 15 or 18 and get less of a product or keep it the same. Maybe, maybe you, you take less of a profit, but keeping yourself relevant in this time is so important. And people who close down, they made themselves such a harder time to get back up on their feet because now they have to rehire. They have to get the place going they have to tell people, Hey, we're open again. And now people are stuck on routine and you change their routine. You don't know if you're going to get them back. You know, Shane, some of the things that you're saying are so poignant. Uh, I pick up three things, your ability to pivot, your ability to come up with new product ideas and keep that change. And you have changed momentum in your brain. It looks like you're wired for change. It's like, yeah, you have to, uh, you have to be wired for that. And I, I have seen, we, I live in a university town as well uh, in Carbondale, Illinois, Southern Illinois University. So obviously I've seen a lot of things happen with coffee houses, restaurants, and the ones that are thriving are doing the kinds of things that you're talking about, looking at different product offerings. And Lisa and I talked a couple of months ago on the program about um, folks exploring ways to do business that they had never had to before. Um, how they can relate to their customers using these kind of tools, using the internet to purchase products. So a lot more restaurants are order, you know, providing the order on Facebook, their Facebook page or whatever to, to get their menus out there and to get people ordering. Wow. Smaller menus sometimes. Um, and, and they're actually supporting each other. You know, say, well, we had a special last week, but guess what? Benny's over here has a special on Thursday, so you ought to check out Benny's. So there's a lot of uh, pivoting that goes on, but the other thing, you're, you're talking about asking, not being afraid to ask, and not only asking your customers what do they like, what do they not like, what you know, kind of ideas, but also asking your folks that work for you, are you with me? Yeah. Will you help? Will you step up? Are, are we going to do this? Being inclusive, like you say, being relevant, that asking, and I, I'm a big fan of asking questions, but are you going to do that? Which kind of plays into the kind of leadership you need to have to do this sort of thing. You certainly are uh, tenacious. I, I think it, I would not like to say sto stubborn. I'd say tenacious. And, and certainly inspiring, uh, looking at the kind of ideas that you have. One of my friends out on the East Coast, Dr. Alice, I used to call her, said that getting through this is more brawn than brains sometimes. You just put in the work, you put in the work and you, and you help people step up and then you thank them. And it sounds to me like you come full circle with all of those things. Yeah, I just think you just need to, we're, we're really hardcore with making sure when a customer comes in, they have, they get greeted, they get, hey, how you doing? Just a simple hello, people forget about. We always make sure we do that. And we always make sure we talk to them and have a conversation with them. And then after they get their product, I make all my employees ask that customer, hey, try it real quick. Are you happy with that? Because if you're not happy, then we're going to make another one. Or basically, if you're not happy, we're not happy. 
That's the motto. That's the idea. And you can catch so many things when you ask those questions right at the moment where it's most important. Then later on, when you find out on Yelp that they didn't like it, or they go to the, tell their friends, hey, that place wasn't that good. Well, maybe they just didn't get the right questions asked to them. Because we ask questions. We go, hey, what are you in the mood for? Are you in the mood for something hot, cold, fruity, minty, earthy, spicy? We have these, we have these spiels that everyone has to know and memorize, but make it your own. And that has been my cornerstone for all my businesses, a spiel. Whether it was selling insurance, perfume, real estate, tea, everyone has to have a spiel to at least break the ice and warm people up and then make them understand that we're here for them. And when you have that, it creates this interpersonal relationship that builds and grows. And when you have that happen over and over with thousands of people, you're going to have a good amount of people who are going to really want to respect and help you um, and really keep the business going because they, there's not many places they get that anymore. You go to a big corporate place and they kind of don't feel anything. It's just like, hey, here's your drink. Get out of here. Here's your drink. Get out of here. And there's just nothing there. It's so dry. And we want to keep our place vibrant. And I think that's what people responded to. And that's why we are continuing to grow our business during this downtime. So in, in, in that light, because we're going to have to wrap up shortly, um, you've got some big stuff happening because uh, I spoke to Nin recently and then went, yeah. had a short conversation. So tell me what's, I mean, yeah, here we are in COVID time. You've just given us an amazing story and, and so inspiring about how you're taking care of your people, how your community is uh, stepping up and, and you're making it. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, you've pivoted with increasing your online, but now where are we going now? Cause this is exciting. <laughs> yeah. So we're always trying to find other areas um, that have that kind of uh, traffic, that foot traffic and young foot traffic, like college crowds. So we're always looking for college towns. Um, so we are looking to, um, well, first we're expanding our university location to a space next to us that went out of business pre COVID. So it wasn't COVID related, but they went out of business. So we're taking out that space and we're going to build on it. So we're going to have um, a wine tea bar that we're developing. So instead of it just being, we keep focusing on we're a drink house. We're not just a tea house. Like a tea house is kind of, yeah, we start off that way, but we're really tea, you know, forward, but we're also a drink place. So you go there and pretty soon in January, we're going to have twice as big of space and we're going to have now wine, tea, beer, um, all that stuff for people to kind of find a place to, you know, feel comfortable with. And it, it's going to be just all over the place with beverages. But wine and beer is going to be the new additions to our um, repertoire. And we're going to keep it really low key where it's not going to be pretentious at all. We're not going to have white tablecloths. We're not going to have a server going over. We're not going to have a sommelier. We're going to keep it nice and easy and chill where it's not so crazy price point and let people come in and enjoy the this, this space. And just lots of green, lots of environment. Uh, we have a lot of cool things we're going to be doing. That's that. And then we're opening up, hopefully, if everything works out, we're opening up in downtown Phoenix um, in uh, March, April time. And we're going to open up in a place that's right there next to the campus in the downtown Phoenix area, right in the heart of downtown Phoenix, I should say. I so think that, I'm going to need to go to Tucson and uh, uh, get out west here soon. I know. You need to come on over. It's great. <laughs> that, that's very exciting. I mean, so, you know, how, who hears of anyone in, in COVID? Now, there are businesses that are doing extremely well. We know this. I mean, it's, it's not that everyone's suffering, but there's definitely a lot of people and a lot of businesses are hurting. But here you are in a business that typically people are thinking are struggling. And it's not that it's easy, because as you mentioned. Yeah, it's definitely know, not easy. Yeah. And we're well, still, it's still a struggle. I'll definitely say it. it's still a struggle. Every day is a new challenge. But yes, we are 
we are maintaining. I think that's what people are doing right now. They're maintaining and yeah. inch by inch they're growing. You're maintaining, but you're also looking, you know, you're, you've got your sights on what's coming next. Yeah. If we will cut past this, this will be behind in our past. And you're like, you're already saying, yeah, we're a beverage place. We're a place where you come enjoy something to drink. And we already know beer and wine are something that people want and it's something we can do. So what, if we can do it now, the opportunity's here and you can swing it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Whereas some folks, you know, even if the opportunity shows up, they don't see that because they're in retraction mode or constricting yeah. and you're in expansion. Your, your brain is an expansion, I think at yeah. all times. Yeah. <laughs> and when you it's think in that, in that way, opportunity shows up and then you take it, which is what I'm hearing. Well, I feel like that's the only thing we've ever really known because my landlord was laughing because she was, she was like, well, you know, I'm going to give you this, this, allow you to open up the space next to you and have a bigger lease, a bigger amount of rent every month, because every single time you've come in here, you've always come in during like a downturn. So when I opened up the perfume thing, it was during the uh, housing crisis. And when I did the tea thing in the beginning, it was during a financial crisis. And then now I'm doing it during the COVID crisis. So she's like, I feel comfortable because every single time there's a downturn, you, you, you try to do more. And most people are trying to pull back. So I, I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. I, I, I guess I, I find comfort in these times to kind of like make myself think differently and hopefully come up with ideas that make sense. You know, entrepreneurship goes hand in hand with leadership and courage is what I see from you. Courage and a little bit of blind faith. Yeah. That I know I can do this. I, and of course, as, as years go by, you're going to feel that even more. I, I, I guarantee it. You will. You'll feel uh, kind of frighteningly brave uh, as you go forward because of the things you've done and survived and thrived. Um, I want to, I know we need to uh, wrap up, Lisa, so I, I want to say thank you to our listeners and Shane, especially thank you to you for investing your time with us today. And um, I hope that Shane's story inspires some of you out there. I know he certainly inspires me and I just love to be surprised and intrigued and you've captivated me uh, this past 30 minutes or so. Um, you can find Scented Leaf Tea House and Lounge at thescentedleaf.com and on Facebook and in Instagram. So we'll put those links in the description like Lisa said. Solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, business owners in our listening audience, you have a story some technique, something you'd like to tell us about, just like Shane has shared with us today, some strategy that you have employed during this time or any other time for your success. Please share it with us. We'd love to hear your story, uh, your interests, suggestions. Send them to email at businessdig at gmail.com. We'd love to hear all of your stories and insights. And you can also comment on our Facebook business page. We'll be having this video up soon. And um, you can also uh, reach out to us in the search bar, just type in business stick. So we can't wait to hear from you, Lisa. Any closing uh, remarks and Shane? Yeah, well, Shane, I'm gonna let you, uh, I'll close out, but Shane, anything that you wanna share last minute, you know, the closing idea that would help our uh, listeners? You know, I, I always tell people one thing that really helps is to, um, I read The Alchemist. I always push that, I tell people about this all the time because in this whole story, I didn't get into some of the stuff that happened that led me to the tea world. Um, so the book, The Alchemist, is a short story. It's easy to read, and it'll make you think different, and it'll make you think about asking you shall receive. And when you have that mentality of you tell the universe what you want, 
and you see what happens afterwards is pretty phenomenal. And I think people should really think about asking what they want and being sincere about it and being ready to answer those calls. Good. Beautiful way to wrap it up, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you, Deb. Good to see you. Thank you, Shane. It was a pleasure to have you uh, on our podcast. And thank awesome. you to our listeners.